This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, if you will suffer me one more evening, I, I want to just confront this thought of why are we doing this? Why are we here? What, what are we doing uh, in this auditorium this night with this thing that we call our Faith Promise Missions Conference? And again, my thought from last night is I... I don't know how many years I have left. I don't know if I have any years left or any days left after this. But I want to spend my time doing what God wants me to do and what God wants us to do. And so last evening we just said, are are we doing this thing called missions the way that God would have us to do it? And I think we uh, demonstrated from the scripture that we're doing what they did in the first century. And the question I want to pose tonight is, is why are we having this faith promise meeting tonight? What is this thought of faith promise? And is it a biblical thought? We we might want to know that if we're going to give ourselves to it. Amen? And so let's read some scripture. We'll pray and then I'll make my sermon. Chapter 9 and verse 6 to begin. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And... God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let's pray. Now, Father, we come together tonight Uh, Not because we know it all, but because we're needy people. And we want to hear from you. Uh, We want your Holy Spirit to teach us tonight. Not only teach us, but Father, we need to be encouraged. And Lord, there may be areas that we need to be challenged and convicted. And so we offer our hearts, our minds, for you to speak to us. And we ask you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you go to the Bible and you look up faith promise, you won't find it. At least, oh, you'll find faith, you'll find promise, but you won't find those combina- that combination of words. And someone might be able to say or think to say then, well, faith promise isn't in the word of God. But I assure you that it is in the Word of God. Where did we get this thought of faith promise? I fancy myself uh, an amateur historian. 
And if we could roll the clock back to the late 1800s, about 1880, we would meet a man named A.B. Simpson. A.B. Simpson was a good and godly man. He fostered and built a movement called the Christian Missionary Alliance. And he had a real heart and burden to reach the world with the gospel and to strengthen missions. And uh, A.B. Simpson and Christian Missionary Alliance came up with a concept called the Faith Promise Pledge. And quite frankly, it accomplished a great deal. They sent out many, many missionaries and did a great work. We would not see eye to eye to them on every doctrinal point, but it was a good, uh, good evangelistic ministry. Roll the calendar up about 40 years to about 1920, and there was a good man, a, a pastor in Toronto, Canada. He pastored the People's Church. It wasn't a Baptist church, but it was Baptistic, uh, very close to what we are. And uh, us Baptist folks, we've got an issue with that word pledge. We just don't like that. And so Dr. Smith decided that uh, for the first time, and he coined the phrase, faith promise. And he instituted a system very similar to how we do it, what we do. There was no signature on the card. It was a transaction, a, a relationship between you and the Lord, and you were going to give. And quite frankly, for the first time, the, the thought of faith promise was offered. Now, I'm, I'm sure A.B. Simpson was a good man, and I'm sure that Dr. Smith was a good man, but they didn't meet the guy that I met one time, a guy named John Halsey. Ever heard of him? <laughs> and John Halsey was a great man. And uh, Brother Halsey taught me, now, and Mike, that's how he would start. And it, our first discourse would be on Starbucks coffee, and then we would move into other spiritual matters like missions. And he said, now, Mike, I want you to understand it's not a faith promise pledge. It's not a faith promise. Uh, you can call it that. Nothing wrong with that, he'd say. But he would say the Bible term is grace giving. It's not our tithe. We're commanded to give our tithe, but we are encouraged to give to the great cause of missions, missions giving, if you will. And so I hope to point out to you tonight that what we're participating is in is biblical, is in the Bible. And what I want to give you tonight is five simple reasons that it is practical and expedient for every one of us in this room to be participants in this great effort of grace, giving, faith, promise, giving. Let me give them to you quickly. Here's number one. And it's where we start everything that we do in our service to the Lord. It is biblical. Now, I'm not going to re-preach my sermon from last night, but uh, if you will remember that, we, we tried to show from the Scripture that what we're doing is a biblical methodology. It's a biblical process that God instituted. I do want to take you to one passage that I think can be instructive Hold your place here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but turn over for a moment to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to notice in verse 15. 
what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says in verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. What a commendation to this church at Philippi. They were not a wealthy church, not even a large church, but they had a vision for reaching the world and they knew that the Apostle Paul had brought the gospel to them and they wanted to be part of his ministry in taking the gospel to other places and of the churches that he started and the churches that were in Asia and in, in the Jerusalem environs Only the church at Philippi had such a vision for that ministry that they communicated by giving and supporting the Apostle Paul. Now notice what he says in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift. Would you look at me just a moment? How would you like for two or three years of your life to travel around to congregations and your sole purpose of being in that congregation, not your sole purpose, but one of the priorities is to stand in a pulpit and look at God's people who who have the same priorities and problems and things in life that you do and say, I'm asking you to support me. I'm asking you to give to the calling that God has laid on my heart. Can I assure you something? That is not an easy thing to do. And that is not what these missionaries are about. These missionaries are not in church after church after church saying, hey, I want a gift. Give me something. Give me something. You know what they're saying? Hey, God has laid a burden on my heart. Will you help me? He goes on and he says, not because I desire a gift, but look at this. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I don't want to be overly dramatic in painting this picture. But I'm telling you, heaven's going to be a good place. I know you know that. And I don't think we understand all the sweet things that are going to take place in heaven. I look at Brother Moody here last night who I just commend for that presentation and for the, the, the passion that he has for that jail ministry. Can you imagine someone coming up to you in heaven? You've never met them. Now, let me tell my story. I know we've got perfect knowledge and I know we'll be like Jesus. Stay out of my sermon, all right? Can you imagine someone coming up to you in heaven and saying, hey, you don't know me, but I just want you to know that I am so appreciative of what you did and and because of what you did partially, I'm in heaven today. And you say, well, who are you? And he'll give you a name and he would say, let me tell you my history, I was a three-strike felon. And I was in that Hampton Regional Jail and I was there for life. There was no hope of parole, but... uh, Chaplain Moody came and and he told me about Jesus and he taught me about Jesus and though I was never paroled from that jail, my soul was paroled. 
And because you supported him and because you gave, hey, I just want you to know that I'm fruit that abounds to your account and the sacrifice you made and the vision that you had. Thank you. I don't think I'm overstating that. I don't know that it'll happen exactly that way, but that's exactly what the Bible teaches us. Let me go on with that. Look what he says in verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Hey, you want to describe a faith promise missions offering? Try this. It's an odor of a sweet smell because it is a sacrifice that is acceptable well-pleasing to God. Again, I have a flair for the dramatic, but I'm not trying to be. I wish we had spiritual eyes that could see because when we get on our knees before the Lord and plead, oh God, what would you have me to do? And oh God, I'm willing to be sacrificial in this. And we, we decide and we make that covenant with God and we say, this is what I'm going to give to missions this year. And that plate, I don't know if you're passing the plate because of COVID, but picture it if you did. We're passing that plate up and down the eyes and it's, or aisles and it's beyond our vision and beyond our senses. But when God sees that sacrificial giving... Because God loves sacrificial giving, an odor that we cannot smell, pleasing to the Lord, goes up and God looks at a church and God looks at a life and I really believe his opinion is they get it. They get it. Go on. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can I read a verse that goes with that? Don't turn back, but verse 8 said, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I think it's the same thought in different words. Hey, listen, I love verse 19 of chapter 4, and we use it often. And I do believe that in a general sense, it is applicable to giving to the Lord. But I want you to know that in a specific sense, the context of Philippians 4 and verse 19 is missions giving. Is giving to a man and his family, a man in Paul's case, so that he can go to a place that has never heard the gospel before, and so he can go and give himself day and night to the ministry of the gospel. And when God sees that, God says, Hey, I am able, I am able to make you sufficient so that you can abound to every good work. I'll meet your need so that you can give. Brother, if you ever wanted a picture of faith promise, there it is. A group of believers willing to sacrifice 
so that others can go to places we cannot go and preach the gospel so that people can be saved. And God looks at our sacrifice and says, I'll take care of your need when your heart's like that. And oh, by the way, the souls that he win, they're going to be part of that which abounds to your account. How do you find a bargain like that anywhere else? I'm just simply saying it's biblical. Here's number two quickly. You know what grace giving is? Faith promise giving is? It allows churches and believers to experience the power of God. When we talk about the power of God, I want the power of God. Well, what is that? Well, I love verse 8 again. And God is able. I love that word able. If you look it up in Strong's Concordance, it is a word we're familiar with, donatos or uh, dunami. Strong, Mr. Strong tells us that it just simply means to be possible. Hey, with God, everything, anything is possible. And God is saying, I can do anything that you need me to do. If your heart is to be sacrificial and to give, I can do anything to enable your life to be able to do that good work. I read on the internet, so it must be true, that at any given time we only use about 16% of our brains. For me it is much lower. I thought to myself, you know that's how most believers live today? We live so timidly, never trusting God to do something great never trusting God to use us in an unusual way. And I would suggest to you that, that the week we find ourselves in and the decision we're making now in our lives this week is one of those opportunities where we can step out and say, God, you know what? God, I will trust you and I do want to be used of you. Listen, I am convinced that faith promise is one of the greatest adventures that an individual believer and their family can walk with God and see God do amazing things because God is able. Would you agree with that? I used to love as a pastor, our, our missions conference was the high point of our year like yours. And I used to love to see people get involved and and we would challenge them to get involved and to be sacrificial in their giving. And they would give and they would be frightened when they would write that number down. And, and a month or six months later, they would come to me and they would say, Preacher, you're not going to believe this. And, you know, I'd play along. And I'd say, no, I, I, I probably won't. Knowing full well that God was always going to do something great. And then they would describe, I said I would give this and, and look what God did. And for once in their life, they didn't experience God's power through somebody else's testimony. They experienced it through theirs. And they had a testimony. And they had something they could share. And they experienced God working in that way. Hearts ought to hunger for that. 
Because God is able. How? He can increase our supply. He can decrease our spending. He can give us wisdom to be good stewards. He can give us grace to sacrifice. I think one of the great things we have lost in churches today and in the lives of believers, we've lost the will to sacrifice. I, I think our generation is perhaps the most narcissistic generation that the world has ever seen. And, and the word that denotes our generation is not serve and sacrifice itself. We take selfies. I quit taking selfies. You know why? My arm is too short and this is all I get. And I'm thinking the world does not want to see that. I'm telling you, there's a world that is lost. There's a world that needs Christ. And what God would have for us is to be having a spirit of sacrifice, but a spirit that trusts Him and walks a walk with Him that only we can see how He works. Number three, quickly. It allows Christians and churches to experience principles of sowing and reaping from a positive perspective. What's verse 6 say? But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. There is a law of sowing and reaping. Hey, I am a fundamental Baptist preacher of the old generation. You know what that means? That means I can see the wrong in everything. And I'm telling you what I'm good at. I'm telling you what you ought not to do. I'm telling you what's wrong with what you're... I'm good at that. And sometimes the only way I preach, you know, be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Did you know that it's also whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And though it is certainly true in the negative, too often that's what I concentrate on. I need to remind people that we can sow bountifully. We can be generous. We can be sacrificial and sow seeds that will come up that are wonderful seeds to come up in a life. And you and I ought to be of that army of people who sow bountifully when it comes to our mission's Giving. Here's number four. It's a free will offering for every believer in a local church. I love what verse seven says. Every man. Now understand this. Man is not a gender specific word in that verse. It doesn't mean every male. It means Every person, every person in this church, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I wish I had an hour to unpack that verse. Listen, the missions conference week and before, every person in this church ought to be struggling in their heart, considering in their heart, 
purposing in their heart, what would God have me to do? It is a purposeful time, an intentional time where we are to be thinking and praying and deliberating, God, what would you have me to do? We are to purpose that. I'm afraid that sometimes missions giving is done as an afterthought. It's done with the only consideration of here's what I can do that I won't feel if I do it. And I think God wants us to get down to the point where we think about it, pray about it, purpose ourselves, and prioritize. And then he says, give it cheerfully because sacrifice is not easy. Hey, listen, if we give out of our abundance, if we give because it's easy to give, he wouldn't have to tell us, now be cheerful about that. But if we truly prioritize, truly purpose, truly are intentional and decide to be sacrificial and trust God to do something in our life, we've got we to say, I'm excited about what God is going to do, not, oh man, I hate, oh. That's what God means. And God is saying, every man, every woman. You say, well, preacher, you just don't understand. And we never do, do we? People always tell me, you just don't understand. I don't understand anything. (laughs) But I know this, God is able. And I know there's no person in this room, whether they're on a fixed income or not. There's no person in this room, how old, how young, who cannot give to missions. I have loved your pastor's emphasis. Hey, I know that he would rejoice if that red letter is red numbers are reached up there, but I guarantee you there's a number that he will rejoice about even more than that. If every member of this church went through a journey of asking God, help me be sacrificial and help me purpose to give. We used to have in our church, we would have our ushers, we'd take ours up all on one Sunday and there's a stack of cards and one time a counter came to me and he said, now preacher, you just gotta, you gotta work with us here because a lot of these cards are like a nickel, a penny and, and I just think we ought to set those aside and deal with the real numbers. And I'm not trying to overdo this, but I'm telling you, I, I, I had to be careful. I said to him, I said, I want you to understand something, that, that I give my children an allowance on purpose. That's a preacher's house, so it's a quarter, <laughs> it's a buck, you know. But I said, when we give them that allowance, we ask them to wrestle not wrestle, we ask them to tithe and not just tithe, we ask them, we help them get on a journey of what they give to missions and I want you to understand that my little guy, my little five-year-old was proudly saying to me, Daddy, I think God would help have me give a dime every week to missions. And I said, we're not setting that little kid's dime aside Because what we're trying to do is build into that life that there's something more important than a video game. And there's something more important than a bar of candy or a slurpy drink. There's something bigger in this world than them. We'll not set that dime aside. We won't set the nickel aside. 
Because that's a matter of the heart. And every man and woman, every family, every child ought to wrestle. God, what would you have me to do? Here's number five, and I'm done. It provides an opportunity for us to express love for and like the Lord Jesus Christ. Just go back a chapter to chapter 8 and look at verse 8 with me, would you? I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You know what Jesus gave for you? Everything. Everything. And again, I don't want to sound scolding. I I don't. But I'm telling you, our understanding of love is so shallow until we look at what Jesus gave for us. When I was a boy, we didn't have shopping malls. You went downtown to shop and And if you were in Edwards, it meant that you were pretty poor and you didn't go shopping very often. But when we would go downtown Cincinnati, the the big department store was McAlpin's and you would go into McAlpin's. But if you were in Edwards, you didn't shop on the first floor. That's where the expensive stuff was. You went to the bargain basement. You know where Jesus found us? Down in the bargain basement. And yet he was willing to give everything for you and I. And we come to moments like this. And it's not that we have to. And I'm not trying to shame us into that. But I am saying that love that is just spoken is a pretty easy love. Love requires action. And when you and I come to what is most precious to the heart of Jesus, we ought to at least be purposeful. We ought to at least be prayerful and willing to give sacrificially so that others can hear the gospel. We don't know them. We don't know the places. But we know what Jesus did for us and our heart ought to give like his. There was a great missionary named C.T. Studd. I just love that name. He was a great cricket player. You know, we may not know much about cricket, but he was a great cricket player and could have been professional and all that. He made the mistake, he made the right choice of going to a Moody Revival meeting and he got saved. <laughs> and after he came out of that Moody Revival meeting, God got a hold of his heart. His life changed directions. He became a great missionary, first to China and then to Africa. And C.T. Studd was quite an eloquent man. Let me just share two thoughts that he said, and I'm finished. He said, first of all this, 
quote, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. What truth. And then it was C.T. Studd who said this, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. You say, preacher, what's the point of your message tonight? Would you at least wrestle with what God wants you to do in giving so that others can hear? Because God in his wisdom and word brought us to this point. This is God's work. We're doing what God wants us to do. It is a biblical thing to do. And it is an opportunity for us to see him work through our lives. And we ought to purpose and be sacrificial and sow bountifully in his work and see God work in our lives. Have you been prayerful about what God would have you to do? I stood in line at a Starbucks. I no longer go to Starbucks. And uh, I love coffee. And I must confess, I love Starbucks strong coffee. I go in and I buy a Grande Pike Place, $2.10. That's too much. One day I was standing there and two ladies were in front of me, nice ladies. I, I, I don't mean anything wrong with this. I'm not preaching against foo-foo coffee drinks, okay? But they ordered two drinks and it was over $14. And I thought to myself, what are we doing? What are we doing? Now, I don't know whether you like coffee, and I pray you don't like foo-foo coffee. (laughs) But the truth is, if every one of us would take a look at our lives, we could say, you know, eh, I could wrestle with that. And I, I could sacrifice that because there is a greater good and God could bless. Would you pray with me? Father, here's what I ask you tonight. I pray that you would help us to see the truth. I know these good people know faith promise. I know that. And yet, Lord, even good people, we need from time to time just to examine our lives and say, could I do more? Have I honestly wrestled? Have I purposed? In my heart, have I prioritized? And God, is there something I could give out, give up, give to you that could allow me to raise my faith promise, that could allow me to give and to then see you work in my life and in my home and show yourself mighty. And my... My request, Father, is that from the preacher preaching the message to every heart, every heart, that between now and Sunday we would purpose 
What would you have me to do? Can I do more? God, I love you, and I want you to know it. Just before I conclude in prayer, I wonder if there'd be a few that would say, Preacher, just by an uplifted hand, I'm just telling you that I am going to take that journey, and over these next days, I'm going to be prayerful and purposeful, asking God, will you help me determine what you would have me to do in this matter? Would you slip your hand up? We'll just pray together. God bless you. Many hands. I will be purposeful and prayerful. There might be some that would say, you know, preacher, I'm frightened. This is maybe new to me. And I'm going to ask God to help me in my faith. Help me to trust him as I take this journey. Preacher, would you pray with me? This is new to me. I'm new to this. Would, Would you pray with me that God could teach me to trust him? Anyone? So, Father, you've looked into our hearts. I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.